Raise the flag. Light the cauldron. We, we declare, declare the, the game's, game's odyssey, odyssey open. Welcome to the Games Odyssey podcast, your home for stories of glory from Olympia to now. I'm Jonathan Jordan. And I'm Sarah Patton. We both love the Olympics and Paralympics, and we love history. And most of all, we love Olympic and Paralympic history. That's right. But today, we are going to take a little bit of a break from the history side of things, especially before we get into the hot mess that is the 1904 St. Louis Games. Instead, today, we're going to talk about something a little more fun. We're going to talk about movies. But I promise this isn't turning into a movie podcast it's just for this episode. So today we're going to blend together two of my favorite things, which is the games and movies. And Sarah, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, obviously, I am a movie nerd. You not as much, but but you do still like movies, right? Yeah, I love movies. Um I probably have not seen as many movies as you have. In fact, I know I haven't seen as many movies as you have. And I'm also the person that in a conversation <laughs> with friends that people will start quoting a movie or talking about a movie. And I'm the one that shocks people when mm -hmm. some huge blockbuster I've never seen. Um, I don't know. It wasn't until I was married that my husband forced me to watch Star Wars for the first time. Um, so a lot of the big, a lot of the big classics, um, I just haven't seen, but then a lot of the really cheesy movies I have seen and I love them. See with me, there's actually also a lot of big blockbuster movies that I've never seen, but then I've watched a lot of obscure movies that people have never heard of. So that's, that's where my movie nerddom comes in is sometimes I don't like to get on the bandwagon of what's popular with everyone else. But yeah, so here's what I think will be fun about this episode is, you know, there's really not that many movies that have been made about the Olympic Games, even though it's been with us for a long time. Um, so the Olympics, the Paralympics, every now and then we get a movie about them, sometimes a documentary, things like that. And so, you know, it is a pretty small list, but I think it's fun to just think about, hey, I have an afternoon to kill. I want to watch something. I love the Olympics and Paralympics. What should I go watch? So we're just going to have a pretty unscripted conversation today and talk through some of our favorite games movies. By the way, before we get into talking about the movies, I want anyone listening right now to know that this may not be the best episode to listen to your kids, because, uh, listen to your kids. Oh my gosh. To listen to with your kids. You can tell that we are not doing this off of any kind of script today, obviously. But a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about do have some really heavy themes. And while we're not going to get into super detail about those, it's still the sort of thing where this is our rated subject matter for a lot of these movies on the list. So again, may just be a good one to skip over if you've got uh, little ones and you can listen to it on your own while you're washing dishes or walking the dog later on today. So just putting that out there now so that you're not surprised when we get into some of the topics. All right. So Sarah, you sent me your list. 
ahead of time. And I had my list. So here's here's how we're going to do this is first, we're going to talk about the movies that we had different on our list. OK, and we're going to go back and forth on that. So, uh, you know, tell me why you like the movie, because uh, some of the ones you had on your list I've never seen before. And then we'll end our discussion talking about the five or six movies that we both agreed upon. Um, how's that sound? Sounds great. Let's do it. So actually, I'm going to start us off because I just watched this movie this week. It's been on my list for a few years since it came out. But that is the movie Richard Jewell. And I believe you said that uh, it's on your list to watch, too, but you haven't been able to get around to it yet. Right. Right. Yeah. And of course, we were kids during the 1996 mm -hmm. Olympics. I vaguely remember the bombing. I remember it being a big deal at the yeah. Atlanta Games. Um, so I'm very curious to see the movie. Um, the story of Richard Jewell, if you're familiar with it, is absolutely fascinating. Um, so I'm very curious to know about how you think they did. Did they tell his story well in the movie? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, okay. As a movie as a whole, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And even though I remember the bombing happening at the Atlanta Games, I did not know this story at all. I did not know about this side of it, about the security guard, about Richard and his story. So this, in a lot of ways, was really new information for me. And I was almost reading up on the real life story while watching the movie and just kind of seeing how close it was to what really happened and how much they were able to fit in. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, uh, it was directed by Clint Eastwood, who's about a thousand years old and still making movies. Uh, it's amazing that he is still doing what he's doing and that he's doing it at such a high level because the acting in this movie was absolutely incredible. The storytelling was really, really strong, but but yeah, it, it 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 took me by surprise a little bit because I think it was better than honestly what I was expecting. And again, even though it's not about athletes, it's about a very important event that did happen at the Atlanta Games. So definitely, I would say bump it up your your list if you can, if you haven't had a chance to see it yet. But uh, but yeah, I definitely give it a, a thumbs up. And once I watched it, I immediately had to revise my list and and throw it on there. So that's how I felt about it. All right. Well, yeah, that'll definitely be a high priority for me the next time I sit down to watch a movie. But yeah, it's one of those things, too, where I don't want to say too much about it on here, A, just because of time, but B, because I think sometimes it's just better going into a movie, not exactly knowing everything about the story. And being a little bit surprised because from what I read while watching the movie, seems like they got a lot of it correct and they fit in a lot of the real life story. So I, I appreciated that about it. Uh, but Sarah, let's kick it over to you because the first one you have on your list is actually a movie that I've not seen. So uh, tell me a little bit about Unbroken. Yeah, so Unbroken is certainly a heavy movie, and there's a lot that goes down in the movie Unbroken. Um, it's about Louis Zamperini, who was an Olympian at the 1936 Olympics representing Team USA. 
Um, the story goes throughout his life. Um, it shows how he became a runner. He was kind of a little punk and running was a way to kind of keep him out of trouble. Mm. Um, and he goes and he doesn't get a medal. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to give too many spoilers, kind of like what you said, but, um, he doesn't get a medal, but he runs the final lap of his race at the Olympics really, really fast that even Adolf Hitler himself was impressed. Um, but there, as Mm. you know, we'll obviously get into it eventually, but as people who are familiar with the Olympics know, the 1936 Olympics were very, um, I want to say heavy, interesting, bizarre, because people knew that something was not right in Germany. Um, And so it's interesting how they show um, what was kind of unfolding around the Olympic, uh, like around the Olympic site and everything um, and all the tension with Hitler. Um, And then as was the case with so many people, Louis gets drafted, ends up in the military, gets shot down, becomes a prisoner of mm. war in Japan. And um, the a huge part of the movie is just about his survival, both uh, being lost at sea and as a POW in Japan. Um, so it, it's, it's hard. It's a hard watch. There's a lot of gruesome moments in there. But, um, you know, Angelina Jolie directed it. And I know that she caught a lot of flack because... People thought someone else could have done better with his story. At the same time, um, if I remember correctly, the movie rights to his life story were bought somewhere like in the 50s. And she's the one that actually Mm. got his story to the big screen. So as someone who's not a movie critic or a film critic or film buff, I think it's I'm just happy that she told his story. Um, and at the end, they wrap it up with explaining that a huge part of his story that I find inspiration in is that later on, he suffers PTSD, but he survives the war and he returns to Japan and offers forgiveness because he's become a Christian at this point. Um, and after he became a Christian is how he worked through his PTSD and he goes and he forgives and offers um, grace and love to people that treated him terribly as a prisoner of war. Um, The other thing that's interesting is that because he was an Olympic athlete, he was often um, set apart from other POWs um, and they would make him run really fast and extra Mm. laps just kind of for entertainment. Um, So, so the Olympics are a huge part of his story, but he had such an incredible life that the Olympics are just a small part of it. Um, but it's what catapulted him to yeah. fame and notoriety. And he, his, I mean, the rest of his life, um, he used that platform really, really, really well. Um, so, I, I mean, I recommend it. I, I think Louis' story is, like I said, it's one that I draw inspiration from. Um, just the things that he did with his life were were pretty huge. And it's a story of grit and survival. Um, so, Yeah. That's, I love Unbroken. Um, it's not one that I would want to sit and watch over and over again because it is heavy, but I definitely saw it when it first came out. I also read the book. There's a couple of great books. Louis has an autobiography that tells his story, but um, the movie was made a couple of years after, I think her name is Laura Hildebrand. She's the author that told his story in a biography. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recommend the books, both in his words and in her words. 
Yeah. I actually have that book, but I have not read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's the same author who also wrote Seabiscuit. Yes. And yeah, and then she followed it up with, with uh, Unbroken. But yeah, it's been on my shelf for a few years now. I have not read it yet. One of these days, I'll probably have to listen to the audiobook. Um, and it is a little surprising I haven't seen this movie because it, it definitely sounds like one right up my alley. And two of the writers on it are two of my favorite writers <laughs> of all time. So it is a little a little surprising that I've not watched this one yet, but I'll, I'll definitely have to, if, if no other reason, but to, you know, just finally check it off my list, I suppose. <laughs> All right. So if unbroken isn't heavy enough for you, then the next one on my list is Foxcatcher. Um, Sarah, how much do you know about Foxcatcher? I have read a little bit on Wikipedia. Um, I'm a little bit familiar okay. with the plot. So just just a little bit from reading about it, but I've not seen it. I don't even know if I've seen a trailer for the actual movie, but tell us about it. <laughs> okay, so here's the funny thing about Foxcatcher. And, and this is also just sometimes how I am as a moviegoer is a lot of times I don't look up a lot of information. So when I saw Foxcatcher in theaters, I actually had gone to the theater to go see a completely different movie, and I missed the the start time. I can't remember what exactly happened, if I had run into traffic, but something happened where I got to the theater late. I hate going into movies late, and it wasn't one of those things where I was going to be walking into the the trailers, right? Like, it, it was a good 20 minutes into the movie that I was planning on seeing. So this ended up being my backup movie. And I actually had no idea when I bought <laughs> my ticket to it, that it actually would have a, an Olympics storyline in it. I just, I just saw the poster and I said, Oh, Hey, Steve Carell is in this and a couple other people that I really like and are good actors. And I've, you know, heard some buzz about it that, you know, some people are saying it, it might get Oscar nominations. I guess I'll go see this since I couldn't see the other movie. So I walk into the theater knowing nothing about this story and not even knowing that, again, it was going to have this Olympic storyline. So, uh, so Foxcatcher is the story of John DuPont, uh, of the famous and wealthy DuPont family who, um, you know, again, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but at, at the same time, it's a true story. A lot of people know about this, but uh, he got really obsessed with U.S. wrestling and wanting to be the sponsor for U.S. wrestling and seeing himself as a coach. And there were definitely some, some mental health things going on with him and again i don't want to do too many spoilers but um there's a lot of very strange things happening in this movie and it ends up culminating in uh the murder of an olympic wrestler who is training there at the facility he builds so so yeah it is a it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're kind of like, no, this can't be true. 
no, this can't be true. And while there are things that they do change about the true life story, the craziest things in the movie are all true. <laughs> so, um, so if you're a Steve Carell fan, uh, he is amazing in this movie because he's nothing like a lot of the characters that he became famous for. He's not anything like Michael Scott off of The Office. He is honestly pretty terrifying in this movie, and he is just so, so amazing. It, But it's also got um, Mark Ruffalo in it, who a lot of people might know as Bruce Banner from a lot of the Marvel movies, uh, Channing Tatum is in it and, and Channing Tatum. I'm not a huge fan of him, but he is amazing in this movie as Mark Schultz. Uh, so he and Mark Ruffalo uh, are brothers in, in this movie and they both work together. Amazing in it. And then the movie was directed by Bennett Miller, who uh, if you like movies about sports, he directed one of my favorite movies about sports, which is Moneyball. So uh, it's this wonderful kind of blending together of if you love the Olympics, you love true stories, and you also love true crime, it, it all combines together in this one movie. So uh, definitely, definitely recommend watching it. It is, it is a darker themed movie, obviously. So not necessarily one you're going to want to watch every other week, but it's definitely worth adding to the list if you've never gone and seen it. So, yeah, that's Foxcatcher for you. Yeah, I feel, I'm assuming Pharrell is in a serious role in this one. And I feel like it always throws me off a little bit to see him yeah. being more serious, um, knowing what I know about that story. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely not a comedy. It is a dark, dark drama with, murder and lots of creepiness happening in it. And that's why I say like Steve Carell's so amazing in it. And he got an Oscar nomination for the movie because not only is his performance so good, but it's so different than what we've seen him do in a lot of the kind of goofball comedies he's sometimes known for. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely go check that out. And again, just in case um, we're, we're going to continue this uh, dark theme here. <laughs> and so Sarah, we're going to kick it back over to your list. And tell everyone a little bit about Munich. Yeah, so let me be upfront that it has been, well, I hate doing math, and I know it's been over a decade since I've watched it. Um, so <laughs> so take, take what I say with a grain of salt, admittedly. Um, but that being said, um, <laughs> high school, Sarah went to Blockbuster and found like a $5 movie deal on a used DVD of Munich. <laughs> and that is how I discovered this movie. So yeah, Blockbuster, we've all been there buying the used DVDs. Um, and so I thought as a high school kid, oh, this is something to do with the Olympics. How exciting. I'm going to buy it. Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you can imagine, you can imagine my shock. And, and, you know, Jonathan, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier that, that yes, it ties in the Olympics. Um, but it, it's not centered around necessarily one Olympic athlete. It's more about the pursuit 
of um, of the Israeli team that it not the Israeli team as in the Olympic athletes, but the Israeli government trying to go after um, the folks that killed the Israeli athletes in the 1972 Munich massacre. Um, so it's definitely more of the aftermath of what happened. Um, and, and, you know, the reason that this is on my list is because even though I said a lot of blockbuster movies, I've not seen, um, this is one that because of the notoriety, I am grateful because what happened is that from watching this alone as a teenager, which that was a little scary, um, (laughs) but watching it, I ended up going on a deep dive into the massacre of the Israeli athletes. Um, and, and so I learned a lot about what happened at those Olympic games due to the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think, and it it is a good movie. It's a good movie. It's very intense, lots of action. If that's your kind of thing, um, I, I do think it, yeah. it is important to be like, it's not like you're going to see everything from point A to point Z or whatever about like the Israeli athletes coming and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's an important film in the sense that it probably got a lot of people to learn and research like myself about the athletes that were murdered. Um and so I think from that standpoint, it's on my list. Um, it's not one that I want to sit and watch over and over again. I like happy movies. I'm going to talk about a happy movie here in a few minutes that I think might make you roll your eyes. <laughs> and I don't care. But <laughs> but it's on my it's on my list because of its historical significance. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember seeing Munich in theaters when it came out. I was in college at the time. I It was, uh, I believe, 2005 when it came out. I thought it was one of the best movies that came out the year. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it got a bunch of Oscar nominations. I don't know that it won anything, but still, it was a great movie. And as I've mentioned to you before, it does end up on a lot of lists of Olympic movies to watch, but I personally don't consider it an Olympic movie. That's just, you know, that's just my two cents. But at the same time, everything that happens in it does happen because of the kidnapping and massacre of the Israeli athletes that happened at the 72 games. So I I go back and forth sometimes on whether it should be counted, but it is a great film in its own right, just Yes, like you said, very heavy, very dark, very bloody and brutal because it's literally just about a group of Israeli assassins being sent out to hunt down the people involved in in the massacre. We can finally move it into a little bit more positive space. <laughs> so <laughs> the next movie I have on my list is Rising Phoenix. So Rising Phoenix, uh, if you have Netflix, you can find it on there because they uh, they produced it or whatever. So it's available there. It is a documentary and it focuses on a handful of uh, Paralympic athletes and tells their stories. And then it also explains more about the history of the Paralympics and how the movement actually began. So uh, some of the Paralympic athletes that are featured in it include uh, Jean-Baptiste uh, Alais, um, 
it's also got Tatiana McFadden in it, who I believe was also an executive producer on it. Um, there's a couple parts where we hear from Andrew Parsons, of course, who's the president of the IPC. Um, it's got Ellie Cole in it, who's a para swimmer. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember who else has. Oh, Matt Stutzman is in it. Uh, for para archery, his story is just so amazing, and he's just—he's uh, fun to watch. He's fun to just hear talk about his life. Uh, so yeah, it's got a lot of really um, great Paralympic athletes just sharing their stories, and then again, that kind of mixed in with the background of the Paralympic movement, where it started, um, how it became a thing, how it started to run parallel to the Olympics, and then. And then really the struggle for visibility. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies that I, I tell people that they really need to watch it. And I, I don't see how anyone could watch that movie and then not become a huge fan of the Paralympics and want to watch the Paralympics when they're on. Uh, once you hear some of these stories and understand why the movement is so important. And that at the end of the day, it's not just about, and Sarah, I know you and I have talked about this before, uh, you know, off mic, but, you know, the Paralympics, a lot of times they get kind of summarized and boiled down to just being, oh, it's so inspirational watching people with disabilities play sports. No, it's, it's sports that are just designed in a different way to meet, you know, for the people who have different needs, but they are, elite athletes in their own right. <laughs> and so right. I think this movie does such a good job of explaining that and showing that. And um, yeah, I hope everyone listening to this episode, if you haven't seen it, uh, I don't care. You can stop listening to the episode and just go watch it. You should. Does that mean, that's why it's on does that mean I should so, go watch it right now? Uh, because I'm the slacker that still hasn't seen it, even though it's been on my like watch list. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, like honestly, Shame. just get up from the mic right now. Go watch it. We can always record later on. I'll just splice <laughs> it together, right? Um, Shame. I, I know. Shame. Uh, yeah, Shame. no, you've got it. You've you've got to watch this. When it came out, like I remember seeing Tatiana post about it and um, being really excited. Mm -hmm. I think when it came out, I very much was in the newborn phase with my kid, and so. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that just kind of got mentally put on my list that I need to go back and watch now that, you know, I'm sleeping again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that life. Well, and honestly, I think that's part of why we, I do. <laughs> well, and I think that's part of why I never saw Unbroken. So we were still just dealing with all of that stuff of becoming parents that year. And then that movie came out and it was like, I didn't go see movies in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure that's why I never saw it. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely need to watch this one. And again, I think it's, you know, for anyone who likes this podcast, like it, it's, oh, it's so good because it, again, it goes through that history while also sharing these athlete stories. But anyway, I could rant about it for much longer, but we probably need to go ahead and move on to, um, to the next one on our list here. So kicking it back over to you, Sarah, for a movie that. I am surprised I myself have not watched this one. It's been on my list for a long time, and I've just never gotten around to it. Uh, but Prefontaine. Yeah. So 
Good old Steve Prefontaine is a legend in the track and field community. He was a runner that mm-hmm. saw a lot of success. And this is one movie that's been made about him. I know that there's another one. Um, the title is escaping me right now, but I know it was produced by Tom Cruise. Um, but the movie that we're talking about, Prefontaine, it stars Jared Leto, um, who I know is really popular. I know a lot of people like him. Again, this is where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's that famous actor guy. It, but mo- but a lot of people know him as a musician. That's true. It's true. <laughs> so. No, I do, I do have a lot of friends that have, like, <laughs> spent tons of money to go see him in concert. So I should say all, this famous entertainer. Right. Famous entertainer. <laughs> but um, the, the movie yes. came out in 1997. <laughs> Um, so I feel like when I saw it, I just happened to see it on TV, um, several years ago. I don't want to give away too, too many spoilers, but he was a very successful collegiate runner. He went to the 1972 Munich games. Um, it seemed like he may pull Mm -hmm. out a medal at those games. Um, and, and he was young. I think he was like 19, 20, um, at those Olympics and, um, ended up being passed in the final um, final lap, I think less than half a lap to go, and ends up coming in fourth place. And so, you know, heartbreak, but also he was a very talented athlete, had a bright future ahead of him. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, he came home, fell in some hard times after his collegiate career. He actually became an activist because of the amateur rules at the time. Um, they, he, he basically couldn't be a professional runner to the, in the way that people are now. Um, so he became an activist in the United States to get athletes better funding so that they could better compete against other international athletes, which I think is just such an interesting part of his story. Um, and unfortunately he had an untimely death, um, in a car accident after drinking, um, which all kinds of frustrating there. Um, it's just so sad. It's so tragic that that is um, what happened. So I guess I am giving away a bunch of spoilers, but um, <laughs> so I don't know. You can edit some of it out. But... It's not something. <laughs> Look, if someone pulls him up on Wikipedia, they're going to know that in five seconds. Anyway. Yeah. So and, you're, you're, you're good. And honestly, if I'm going to watch a movie like this about someone that I'm maybe am not familiar with, I want to know that that's happening. Like I, if I suspect that there's tragedy in a movie, I yeah. look it up ahead of time so that I'm prepared for it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just preparing my friends out there. But his legacy is that roles were changed for athletes. Um, the amateur, mm-hmm. I did write this down. The amateur sports act of 1978 gave athletes more control over their sports governance. And that contributed to, um, better financial situations for a lot of athletes. And so there was that part of his legacy. And then of course, just being an amazing runner, he had a huge following as a college guy. People would yell pre, 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 whenever he ran. And, um, now mm-hmm. every year there is the Prefontaine Classic, which is a huge track meet. Um, that I mean, chances are if you like sports, you've seen it on your TV. And so his legacy lives on. Um <laughs> so yeah, it's it's definitely a story with lots of joy and excitement and appreciation for what he brought to the sport of running, but also one that ends in tragedy. So I guess we're back to being sad. 
Yeah, I know. Um, and yes, by the way, the the other movie about Steve Prefontaine is called Without Limits. Ah, it yes. came out the very following year, 1998. Yes. Yes, and it had Billy Crudup in the role of Steve Prefontaine. But I've not seen either of those movies, and it's really strange for two movies about the same person to come out in back-to-back years. It's a very unusual situation. Um, and of course the two movies get compared to each other a lot, but I've not watched either. And that's a little shocking because I, I know the legacy of Prefontaine as a long distance runner myself. Mm. I mean, we used to talk about when I ran cross country in high school, uh, that was, you know, he was someone we would talk about and yet I never sat down and watched either movie <laughs> about his life. So I don't know whether, you know, one is more accurate than the other. I'd love to hear from other people. Uh, what their hot take is on that. Uh, which one should I start with, people? Should I start with Without Limits or should I start with Prefontaine? Um, I'm open-minded here. So That's a good question. Um, but yeah, but we are back to being sad. All right, so uh, we're going to kick it back over to my list. And so um, the next one that I have on my list is actually another documentary about Paralympians. Uh, I didn't really plan it out that way. It was just kind of how I ended up putting it on the list. Uh, but Murder Ball, which is a documentary about wheelchair rugby. Uh, so this movie, I'm trying to remember, I didn't get to see it in theaters, but I remember my older brother recommended it to me. Uh, he had seen it somewhere, and I remember he told me, he called me up and he said, you have to watch this movie. And I said, okay. And I went and as you mentioned uh, blockbuster earlier, I went and rented it. Cause that was something we used to do back in the day and <laughs> watched it and absolutely fell in love with, um, with it as a, as a movie fell in love with uh wheelchair rugby. And it just really helped open my eyes more at that point of my life to what the Paralympics were. Uh, even though I, I knew about the Paralympics before watching Murder Ball, um, I had no idea the breadth of sports <laughs> that were uh, in the Paralympics. I knew nothing about uh, wheelchair rugby until watching it. So one of the uh, people who shows up a lot in the movie is Mark Zupan. Uh, who was on the uh, gold medal winning team for the 2004 Athens Paralympics. And if you watched the Paralympics uh, this past year in Tokyo, he was one of the commentators uh, on it. So uh, he is prominently featured in the movie. Um, I believe it got an Oscar nomination for best documentary. I don't think it actually won, but it's a fantastic documentary um, and just good movie overall but uh sarah i can't remember have you seen this one i have not and it's also one that i'm ashamed to say i haven't seen because i love wheelchair rugby uh, all right well here's the good thing about this episode is it's giving each one of us a list of things we need to go watch that we should have seen and haven't <laughs> so, yeah um so yeah but yeah murder balls again another one of those that uh, I think it's a must-see for any fan of the games uh, because it really is just good storytelling. And, and yeah, if you don't already love the Paralympics, then I think it's a good one to introduce to people so that they can understand uh, 
just the nature of the sport and just how tough these guys are <laughs> when they're out there playing. Um, but yeah, so that's murder ball. And then, um, yes, going to kick it back over to you, Sarah, for the one that's going to make me roll my eyes. So I'm going to try my best not to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just the Simone Biles story. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. I have no shame whatsoever. Um, and I just want, you know, I just pulled this up on the IMDb and you can judge me all you want, but this uh-huh. is an award winning film. Um, it received, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. it received a Leo award, a reframe award that I don't know what that is, but it got two or it received two image awards from the NAACP. So I think that is worth noting, but, um, okay. Simone Biles, Courage to Soar. The reason that I put this on here is not so much because it's one of the best films ever made, but because it's Simone Biles. And I am unashamedly a huge (laughs) Simone fan. And I I mean, she's a great athlete. We know that she's arguably the greatest of all time in women's gymnastics. Pretty, pretty easy to get behind that. Mm -hmm. But um, the movie, I thought, did a great job showing her journey of her childhood and being in foster care and the challenges that she Mm -hmm. went through. Um, I appreciate that it didn't hide away from that, but I also thought that it, um, and this is one that I saw, I guess, when it probably first came out, which would be 2018, 2019. Um, But I feel like it was one Mm -hmm. that did it very, very well to where um, I think that kids that maybe had been in situations similar to her, could have watched it and felt, okay, I'm not alone and that I can still do like amazing things. And whether that amazing thing is simply doing well on a test at school or going all the way to the Olympics. Um, I just, Mm -hmm. I I thought that it was great um, in terms of that. And if you're not familiar with Simone's story, get familiar with her story. Um, you know, again, her athletic achievements and, and especially after the 2020 games in Tokyo, um, people have made her, whether she wanted to be or not, she's become kind of an advocate for mental health. And so we all see that, but her story that began years and years ago, I think, um, is just really unique. And I appreciated the way that they told her story in the movie. And then, Also, a lot of gymnastics movies are really, really cheesy. Um, I think it's okay to say that because, and especially with you having a son who does gymnastics, to where if you watch any gymnastics, when you see it in the movie and you're like, oh, they're saying this is an Olympic level routine and it's like a round off flip flop. Okay, sure. Um, but, but I, I (laughs) I thought some of the gymnastics in the movie was actually not bad. Um, so, you know, I, I thought it was a good, it's a feel good, okay. it's a feel good movie, despite the hardships that she overcame and how they show that. I feel like overall it's a feel good movie. Um, and it's Simone freaking Biles. I, I don't care how cheesy it is. I, yeah. I would watch a cartoon that's based on her because she's just, <laughs> she's incredible. So judge me all you want for my life, for my I, lifetime I mean, movie. I don't care. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, here's the, I mean, we, we love Simone Biles in our house. Um, absolutely. And I do love her story. I'm just not going to watch the Lifetime movie about it. I'll, uh, <laughs> you know what? I would watch the cartoon about okay. it because they could probably get the cartoon character to, to do exactly what she does in real life. So it'd be more, you know, accurate um, because they can, they can engineer all of that in the computer. Right. Valid uh, point. But yeah, we, we love Simone Biles. Yeah, her story is definitely important in, you know, our family simply because we do have a boy who loves gymnastics and, um, you know, our oldest son, he is adopted. And so having people like Simone Biles, who's adopted to point to and Yul Muldaur to point mm-hmm. to, um, you know, he sees himself in those people. And I've said it before and I'll say it again because I believe it. But, you know, that type of representation matters as mm-hmm. well for little boys and little girls to be yeah. able to see themselves um, in these athletes. So, so yeah, so we love her as well. I'm just, yeah, this isn't one I'm going to be adding to my list. <laughs> Sorry. Fine. <laughs> okay. So I think that rounds out your list of uh, thing movies that were different when I compared our two lists. Uh, I've got one more on mine that was different than yours and we're going to return to the topic of Munich with it uh, and this one's another documentary but One Day in September this is probably my favorite documentary film that has ever been <laughs> made or that I've seen um, it is very difficult to watch and it covers the 1972 games. It specifically covers the, again, the kidnapping and the massacre of the Israeli athletes and coaches uh, who were taken by the extremist group Black September. Uh, so that's, you know, part of where the name comes from. The Olympics were held in the month of September in 1972. The extremist group called themselves Black September. And if you don't know this story, um, definitely go watch the movie. It's a very thorough investigation of what happened. And it explains a lot of the things that if you only know the surface story, you might not understand how these things happen. So it does a great job of explaining the background, explaining why security was so lax at these games, explaining... Um, you know, what the motivation was even for the extremists for why they targeted the Israeli athletes. And it's just really sad and heartbreaking. And there's definitely parts of it that are very difficult to watch because they do show pictures of after the murder. And so, you know, it's definitely one of those things where I know we already gave like a parental warning, but it's definitely one of those movies since it is a documentary that, you know, big trigger warning ahead of it. If, if you sit down to watch it, you need to know that those things are going to come up in the movie and you can have a very real visceral reaction, which I mean, we should, we should be horrified by what happened uh, to those athletes, but it's a powerful movie. Um, it did win an Oscar for best documentary film the year that came out, 1999, I believe. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a powerful film to go watch. 
let's go ahead and talk about the six movies that we had in common on our list, which the first one of those, again, we'll get into a little bit more of a positive space here. Uh, and I think most of our listeners will probably have seen this movie because it's pretty big. A lot of people know this in the Olympic community, but the Disney movie Miracle uh, about the U.S. hockey team, Miracle on Ice. So good. <laughs> very, very famous story. Yeah, I mean, anyone who follows hockey, um, even if they aren't Olympic fans, I mean, I have, you know, friends who aren't into the Olympics, but they, you know, they like more traditional sports like football, basketball, hockey, and everyone knows the story and how big of a deal it was. Um, of course, Herb Brooks, the coach uh, of the team, of uh, the Olympic team, is played by Kurt Russell in the movie. Uh, it came out in 2004. Um, it, you know, it's one of those movies that sometimes, this is going to sound bad, uh, sometimes I turn it on for background noise when I'm working on projects because I don't necessarily have to pay attention to it. But it's just it's just a good, uplifting, positive movie. It's just something good to have playing in the background sometimes when I have projects that I need to work on. Yeah. Well, I will say this is one that um, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen baking. And this is one that I, too, have had on in the background mm. um, as a feel-good movie. Because I, mm. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was on Netflix for a long time. So it was easy to just turn it on but um i yeah it's on disney plus now since it's a disney oh, movie yeah. so if you have disney plus you can that's right yeah you can pull it up on there yeah i forget we mm -hmm. don't get disney stuff really yeah. as much as we used to but well i mean now that we have disney plus but anyway um <laughs> yeah i forget that that's yeah. the thing um yeah it's a great <laughs> historical moment in history and um i I love the locker room speech. I think everybody does if you have any kind of soul. But um, yeah, great moments are born from great <laughs> opportunity. Her Brooks, that's mm -hmm. enough said. I remember my family went and saw it in the theaters. And um, it was cool because Salt Lake 2002, um, I was still pretty young at the time. And I think I'd heard of The Miracle on Ice, but I didn't really know about it until watching the 2002 opening ceremony uh, with my parents and Mike Urizoni and um, the rest of the Miracle team. Mm -hmm. They came to light the cauldron. It was a real cauldron, by the way, at the 2002 yeah. Olympics. And um, so it was cool that just a short time later, we got this really great movie. Um, so I just I remember making that connection. Yeah. And knowing that it was a big deal, um, I'm also going to slightly detour and say um, the Do You Believe in Miracles? I think it's amazing that in 2018, we also got Do You Believe in Miracles when the guys won the gold for Team USA in curling. So I'm always going to bring it back to curling. But, but, no, it, but, but I say that to say that everything to do with this movie and this team um, I feel like we still see little glimpses of how significant that victory was, not just over Russia, but getting the gold medal because, mm. you know, Russia was not the gold medal game. Yeah. The Soviet yeah. Union. Yes, I'm let's, sorry. Let's, I'm let's sorry. correct Soviet that. Union. It, Soviet Union. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mixture of countries, not just yes. Russia. So, um, yeah. But, but, but <laughs> the, that whole moment, their run to gold that we still see little moments trickling down into our culture even now. So 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a classic sports movie in general, but um, it's, you know, definitely one that, you know, again, I think most people who love the Olympics have probably already seen it. But uh, if you haven't, you know, again, if you have Disney Plus, you, you can find it on there really <laughs> easily. So um, the next one that we have on our list, uh, I actually just watched this movie pretty recently. I think it was really only about six months ago I, I watched it, but the movie uh, Race, uh, which, of course, tells the story of Jesse Owens and his journey to the 1936 Berlin Games. Uh, so here we are talking about uh, Berlin once again, seems to come up a lot. And I, the reason I only recently watched it, I remember when it came out and I kind of, I kind of judged it without watching it. And I think part of that was because it came out around the same time as the movie about Jackie Robinson. And I was really disappointed by that movie. So I think when this one came out, I was like, Oh no, they're going to butcher Jesse Owens story. And so I just chose not to go see it. But uh, then about six months ago when I was sick one day, I, I decided to watch it and, and I actually really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, Sarah, I mean, what do you like about this movie? So I feel like growing up, we learned a lot about Jesse Owens in, like during Black History Month. Um, as an Olympic fan, I probably mm -hmm. knew a little bit more than the normal person in the, in the, or at least the normal person in my context situation. Um, because I knew, you know, yeah. he, I knew about the medals that he won. I knew about, um, the German athlete helping him figure out how to do the long jump correctly. All of these little things at the same time, I feel like this movie introduced me to so much more of his story that I had no idea about. Um, and I remember yeah. once again, clearly movies just make me go do a bunch of research because I remember reading a lot of quotes from him um, <laughs> after watching this movie. My husband and I went to see it in the theater. Um, and I feel like something that I remember really taking away from this and make sure that I'm not confused since you've seen it a lot more recently than I have. But um, when he gets home. Yeah. He has, he doesn't, he get like kind of snubbed at the White House. Um, like, I, am I remembering this correctly in the movie that they depict this? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the White House invited, you know, some of the Olympic mm -hmm. athletes to come meet the president and notably, uh, Jesse was not included in that right. despite his, you know, incredible achievement. I mean, it had been you know, I think decades since someone had won four gold medals in track and field mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at the Olympic Games. So, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's racism. It's wrong. Right. It's, you know, it, it's an important part of the story. And it's an important thing to remember. Uh, but yeah, they do touch on it a little bit in the movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember but, it being like um, very, very quick and at the end. And so naturally that made me read mm -hmm. a lot about how that really unfolded in real life and that Jesse spoke about that and how he did all these great things for his country and wasn't even welcomed at the White House. And so, it, you know, it's not a surprise knowing yeah. what you know about our history here, but, um, but yeah, just like little, little thing, little right. things like that, that I just didn't know. And, um, and even about him running at Ohio state, 
um, that was new information to me. So I think, I think mm-hmm. it was a great movie. Um, I, you know, I haven't. Yeah. Like, I don't know if um, there's, are there even other movies about Jesse Owens out there? I don't know if there are. Again, I'm probably the worst person to ask when it comes to movies. I, I don't know. So I thought it was great. Yeah, there's not any others that I know unless there's a documentary out there somewhere. But yeah, one thing that stood out to me about that movie that I didn't know about his story, because like you, I went into the research and was like, wait, is this actually true? Was really the struggle that a lot of black athletes had of, you know, why should we go represent the United Mm -hmm. States um, over in Germany? And that, you know, there were there were black athletes who chose you know, not to participate. And there was a lot of pressure on Jesse Owens himself of, you know, making this stand by not going to the games. But he ultimately decided he made a bigger statement by going to the games. Right. right? Um, And again, it's, you know, it's what was the right answer for him wasn't necessarily the right answer for someone else. You know, it has to be about personal choice and, and, you know, he made his choice to go to Berlin and, do his thing and, and run because he loved it and, uh, and represent a country that didn't always love him, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, uh, so, you know, that was an interesting part of the movie that I didn't, I didn't realize that that was happening behind the scenes in the black community. And so, uh, I thought they did a pretty good job in the movie of showing that and bringing that issue up in a way that didn't feel too heavy handed, but was new information, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah. So, and and now that we're um, talking about it, I will also say that um, I remember them showing clips involving Avery Brundage. Um, Brundage is his name. With, oh, yeah. He's a big yeah, character with, in the, it. with the mm-hmm. IOC. And the, that also was something that I researched. And if you know much about the Olympic movement at the time, Avery is not a great guy. Um, like I, I knew that without the film, yeah. but seeing it played out in the film, I thought was really good because, um, it was very enlightening that spoiler alert, there's some shady stuff that goes down with the Olympic movement, which is really unfortunate. And, um, not to send us too far <laughs> yeah. down a rabbit trail. I actually almost put, there's a documentary that I believe you can watch on Peacock, mm-hmm. um, called Olympic Pride American Prejudice. I almost put that on my list and it is about the other African-American athletes that represented team USA in Berlin. And it was really well done. Um, I thought and very important. Mm. So I recommend that for more about um, the athletes that were not Jesse Owens. Right. Yeah. I've seen that flicker across my screen, but I have not watched it, but, uh, but yeah, I was surprised by this movie because I, I, I guess I had low expectations of it. So see, <laughs> but, you should go watch this. Uh, but it surprised go me. Go watch Simone Biles. You might be surprised. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't think that's going to happen with that <laughs> one. But, um, but anyway. Oh, and also, um, if, if you need the motivation, uh, you know, the movie Race also has Jason Sudeikis in it, playing Larry Snyder, who was Jesse Owens's coach. So. Uh, I guess that was his practice before he turned into Ted Lasso. So, <laughs> uh, but I like, I like Jason Sudeikis. Um, and so, you know, if you need, if you need another reason to watch this, uh, he's in it too. So there's that. Um, all right. Moving along. Uh, so the next one, 
<laughs> it's a movie that I think, you know, most people have seen. It was a hit movie when it came out. It's one that a lot of people return to. It's very quotable. But, of course, Cool Runnings, the Disney movie about the first Jamaican bobsled team. And I'll start off our discussion of it admitting that while it is quote-unquote based on a true story, very little of the real story of the Jamaican athletes is actually in the movie. Um, here's Here are the parts that actually line up with what really happened. There was a Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> that, that's about as accurate as the movie is. The rest of it is pretty much completely made up. And regardless, it still makes my list because it's just a fun movie to watch about four athletes pursuing an Olympic dream. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just a fun movie, even if they completely disregard the actual <laughs> true story for the most part. Um, but yeah, Sarah, when did you first see Cool Runnings? Because this was one that came out when I was a kid and was really big. How about you? Yep. I remember seeing it as a kid and I had an older brother that insisted on watching it a lot from what I remember. Um, cause I feel like I saw it so mm -hmm. many times. Uh, so yeah, cause I was, mm -hmm. I just looked it up. It came out, I think 1993. So that would make me four years old. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember too much about watching it at that okay. age, but just growing up watching it, it was the classic. I think we probably <laughs> yeah. had it on VHS. Um, fill the rhythm, fill the rhyme. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you watch bobsled and don't think that in your head, yep. then have you even seen the movie? Probably not. Um, or <laughs> this is the reason <laughs> that like when you're a kid in the bathtub, you start acting like it's a bobsled because that's what they do in the movie. So it's great. Yeah. Lots of laughter, you know, some little, some little moments at the end that might make you a little sad, but it's all about overcoming. And like you said, living out the dream. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's just a fun movie, and I, I sat down pretty recently and uh, introduced Kai to it, uh, so that's that's my older son. I don't usually say his name, but there it is, so um, so I, I introduced him to it pretty recently, and I told him I, I was doing it kind of to prep him for the Winter Olympic <laughs> Games, I was like, buddy, you you need to watch this movie because it's gonna it's gonna open your eyes to a whole new world of sports that you haven't really watched yet. It's gonna open you up to sliding sports, which are just some of my favorite to watch. Mm -hmm. So uh, he enjoyed it, and we had a good time having a little father son movie night together, <laughs> watching Cool Running. So once again, if you have Disney Plus, you can pull it up on there if you need a little nostalgia. The next one that we both shared on our list, uh, gonna take it a little bit darker again. Um, definitely, like pretty much the the clear opposite <laughs> of Cool Runnings, which is <laughs> which is I Tanya. Um, what I, I I'm not even sure where to start with this. I know, movie. I'm over here just um, laughing, just thinking about how ridiculous this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, this was one that I didn't get to go see in theaters, but pretty much as soon as it was available streaming, I watched it. And I, I love the style of this movie. I think it tells her story so creatively. 
It's if you haven't seen it, it's told like a mockumentary. And so what's great about it is it shows these different perspectives because there's a lot of people who are involved in this uh, scandal who they have very different accounts of what actually happened. And I think the movie does a really good job of showing all those different versions of it and then kind of letting you as the viewer decide what you want to believe. And, it, you know, even though it's a true story, it it kind of treats it a little bit like a dark comedy. Um, and that sounds a little bit disrespectful, I guess, and sounds like it shouldn't work, but it somehow it does. I mean, it's not a movie for everybody, but I, I really, really like this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, I watched Um, this a few times. Like I saw it when it first came out, (laughs) a group of girls from the church I go to, we're like, hey, Sarah, we're going to have ladies night. You want to go see I, Tanya? And I was like, yeah, you got to really convince me to go watch a movie about an Olympian. Um, so Yeah, perfect church movie to go, to go watch. I don't know if they realized what they were doing. I think they just thought, oh, this looks like a chick flick. Um, oh, my so, gosh. I know. If they're listening, shout out to all of y'all. Because I remember afterwards, they were like, is this real? Um, so yeah um i will say so as someone who doesn't know a lot of actors actresses um like you said mark ruffalo earlier and i was like oh yeah he was in 13 going on 30 can't tell you much about anything else he's been in but um (laughs) but what makes this situation unique is that i love alice and janney and if i see alice and janney in anything like i'll watch it I will watch any TV show. I love the West Wing. I love the TV series Mom. I thought she was amazing in I, Tanya, um, playing Tanya's mom. Yeah. Um, some of the criticism that came out. She's amazing. Yeah. She won an Oscar yeah. for it. it and rightfully <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I remember there were a lot of things with this that I researched. And I was like, is this for real? And the... The people that were involved in this are truly a group of characters um, that, I mean, they're just, (laughs) they are interesting people. Um, Some of the criticism that came out after this was saying that like, oh, it makes Tanya look too innocent, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I thought the way that everything Mm -hmm. would be like, um, so Margot Robbie playing Tanya. Um, yeah. Everything that happened in the movie, she, it, she would say, well, it wasn't my fault. Well, this wasn't my fault. And so for me, I thought the movie kind of told the story mm-hmm. that she could never accept responsibility for things that maybe could have been her fault. And, and so I don't think it like painted her as being this perfect, innocent person, but I do think it helps tell the story that she, she had a rough go of it and the odds were against her to fit into yeah. the figure skating world, no matter what. And that is real, no matter how you slice it. So, but it is, it is a ridiculous film. Um, one thing that I got to say, I'm going to um, do a little humble brag. I found myself in New York city in um, the spring, I think after this movie came out and if there's anything to do with sports and Olympics, wherever I am, I'm going to find it. So the dancing with the stars cast for when they did athletes, was being revealed. So I 
snatched a ticket mm-hmm. to Good Morning America, and I got to like be in the room with Tanya Harding when it was announced that she was going to be on Dancing with the Stars. So I have pictures of her when uh-huh. when that was happening. So I don't know. Maybe I'll post that on our social media. But um, I remember she kind of got yeah. not as well received at that moment um, as other athletes did. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I, I, we'll cover her at some point, yeah. I'm sure. But the film itself, incre- incredible, incredible. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, here's here's one thing I really like about the movie is, and I've said this before on the podcast, but we have to remember that human beings are really complex mm-hmm. creatures, and none of us are perfect. And, um, you know, as someone who spent you know a lot of years working with uh young people going through trauma. Uh, that part of the movie definitely resonated with me, like her actions yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and her way of thinking made sense to me because I was like, oh, she's really not that different than a lot of the kids that I used to work with. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so I, I think, you know, so I know some people don't like the movie for that reason, because they want to think of Tanya Harding as a villain. And they only want to focus on the negative and they don't want to consider maybe some things that were happening in the background and some things, as you said, that were stacked against her. Right. So, um, but, you know, y- y- we need to look at the whole person is is the thing. You know, we have to take the good with the bad for all of us. Um, but yeah, great movie, incredible cast. It also has Sebastian Stan in it, who a lot of people will know as Bucky from the Marvel movies. And um, Allison Janney, who we already talked about, Margot Robbie got an Oscar nomination for it. She's amazing in it. Um, it also has Paul Walter Hauser, who stars in Richard Jewell. So uh, he's got, a, I guess, a little bit of, you know, Olympism <laughs> running through his resume <laughs> with, with the parts that he takes. He's, I really like him. He's a great actor. So, so that's I, Tonya, if you haven't checked it out. Um, you know, go watch it. I will just say, you know, another trigger warning for it because there are scenes in it that deal with domestic violence. So if that's something in your background, um, you know, you need to be aware of that going into the movie that there are going to be some, uh, some things come up that may be hard to watch and could be triggering. Yeah. So there is that little warning for you. Um, all right. Next on the list, uh, and this is our second to last on the list that we both shared, uh, but the documentary film Icarus that came out just a few years ago and also won an Oscar for best documentary film. But um, Sarah, explain Icarus to people because <laughs> it can be a little bit of a difficult movie to describe without giving away too much. Yeah. So um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but so correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong whenever I explain this, but Long story short, it's about the Russian doping scandal. Um, What I think is particularly Mm -hmm. interesting is that the documentary starts off one way and then becomes something (laughs) completely different. Um, And it basically tells the world how Putin has been involved in this. It becomes very clear to anyone that sees this with plenty of evidence, mind you, um, with, with the people that are involved that, um, that this is a state sponsored ordeal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was one. So this was a movie where I knew what I was getting myself into with it. I I knew what it was going to be about. um, And, and it still surprised Mm -hmm. me. 
<laughs> which is a good thing when I know what a movie is going to be about and it still finds ways to open my eyes and shock me. And you're right. One of the things I love about this movie is it so artfully starts out one way and then takes you on a crazy journey. <laughs> yeah. Just suddenly turns on a dime. Um so yeah, like I said, don't want to give away too much because it's a really interesting journey. Um and again it's it's a documentary, so it, it's really wild just seeing some of the things play out that the documentarian wasn't planning on. Yes. <laughs> because he had one idea for a movie and ended up making a different one. Um, and so Brian Fogel, who uh, is the filmmaker behind it and uh, is kind of the central figure in it, um, he, he does an amazing job of weaving the story together. Um, it is a Netflix film, so you can go find it on there if you haven't had a chance to watch it. And then last but not least, we are going to end uh, with, you know, a movie that I think most people, when they think of Olympics and movies, you can't ignore this Cue one. Cue the music. Uh, but the Cue movie the Chariots of Fire. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford <laughs> the music. Um, so, so yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but, uh, but it did win an Oscar for its music. Uh, because it's that good. I was Go just going to say, if you haven't seen the movie, you know the music. You probably don't know that you know the music, but you know the music. <laughs> yes, you absolutely know it. Uh, and, you know, and that's kind of unfortunate is the music is so good in it that uh, it's been spoofed a lot of times. <laughs> it, it was just kind of one of those things that the culture latched onto and, you know, turned into a, a joke. But when watched in the context of the movie, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and this will come as no surprise to anyone, but this is my all time favorite movie. Um, and it has been for a long time. I first watched chariots of fire when I was in eighth grade, it immediately became my favorite movie and it has stayed that way since then. I don't see it that changing. Um, it is the, um, it's the story of the 1924 Olympic Games, centering specifically on two members of the British team, but uh, Scotsman Eric Little, um, who uh, has a really interesting story in his <laughs> own right, and then Harold Abrams, a uh, Jewish-British runner who, um, you know, the movie's about their rivalry to some degree, and kind of how even though they, you know, trained separately and they didn't really know each other outside of the running world, how in a lot of ways they were pushing each other to be better and how they had very different goals and what they were trying to accomplish by going to the Olympics. And, and yet both of their goals are admirable in their own ways. But um, yeah, it's just a fantastic movie. It, um, it was an underdog at the Oscars that year and it won best picture against the movie that uh that everyone else was expecting to to win so in true olympic fashion we you know we love an underdog story uh but yeah again i could talk about it all day uh but you know sarah what do you like about chariots of fire oh gosh well the story i, I love the story um which i mean you've already hinted to a little bit um and yeah mm -hmm. on a side note someone if you're listening to this, shout out to Meredith. Um, someone recently sent my son a children's book about Eric Liddell. And 
um, these athletes had very unique stories in their own rights. Um, and it's cool that it, that their stories meet at the 1924 Olympics or that they really unfold that that's kind of like the, that's where we're going in the story. And I feel like the 1924 Olympics, um, we don't have a lot of movies about that. Not that we have a lot of movies about all the Olympics, but especially in that era, it seems like there's so many stories from 1936 that get told. So I love that these stories got told in Chariots of Fire. Um, it's a classic, not much to say about it other than everyone should watch it. I grew up watching it, me with my family. Um, I have friends that don't even like the Olympics, but they love this movie. Um, yeah. And, and again, cue the music. Like people, people know the music. Yeah. If you don't know the music, you love it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves music. Like it's stuck in my head right now in case that's not obvious. Yeah. 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 If if you've ever gone running on a beach, you've pretended you're in this movie, whether you realize it uh-huh. or not. Uh-huh. So uh, it's got that famous opening and closing sequence of the running on the beach. So, um, but yeah, again, you know, I could devote a whole episode just to talking about the movie. We won't do that to our listeners, <laughs> but, uh, but that's where we're, that's where we're ending. Um, so those are our favorite games movies and, you know, hopefully there will be more to come. After all, Boys in the Boat is being made into a uh, so movie. So excited. So I'm looking forward to that. I just read that book pretty recently and loved it. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe one of these days the movie that I wrote about the Olympics will actually get made. Um, I don't know. It's not looking super promising. <laughs> but, uh, but it was fun to work on. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, or Hey, maybe the script that I wrote about Declan Farmer, maybe that'll be the one that gets through. So, um, so we'll, we'll see, but I'm a little bit biased about that. If we left something off the list that you love, let us know. And remember, go easy on me. I don't claim to be a film buff. We'd love to know your favorites too, or if there's something <laughs> we need to see that we haven't, which I'm sure there's a lot for me. And if you enjoyed this episode, take a minute this week to tell a games-loving or history-loving friend about the show. And you can join us next time for our discussion on the 1904 Olympic Games in St. Louis, Missouri. It is a doozy and not exactly America's proudest moment. But until then, ought to see you later. The Games Odyssey podcast is a production of Wardrobe Media, LLC. This episode was written, hosted, produced, and edited by Jonathan Jordan and co-hosted by Sarah Patton. Show notes, including research sources and transcripts, can be found on our website, gamesodyssey.com. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Games Odyssey podcast is strictly for informational, commentary, and educational purposes. The Games Odyssey podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC and is not sponsored, endorsed, or officially affiliated with the USOPC or the International Olympic Committee or International Paralympic Committee. The content of Games Odyssey podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content feature in the Games Odyssey podcast is accurate.